Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Ryan Woodward, the Director of the Franchise Budget Office for Infrastructure Operations in the Office of Information and Technology at the Department of Veterans Affairs, and Bob Carter, the Vice President of Public Sector Operations at Aptio. First of all, thanks so much for taking the time, both of you. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Let me start with Ryan. TBM, Technology Business Management, it's uh, one of those topics that continues to kind of grow and, and agencies seem to kind of get their heads around. VA has been working at this now for, I guess, uh, pushing two years plus. Talk a little bit about how VA is using TBM and how it's really adding a lot of transparency to your IT budget. We've been working on it for a couple of years. Started under, uh, I believe, the tenure of Laverne Council. She identified the need for uh, greater transparency into our IT spend. And so we started down this road of trying to find a better way to tag and classify our spending to give uh, decision makers and users of our IT services a better understanding um, related to the drivers of cost and ways that we could optimize our spending. Well, I liken the organization to a, an automobile and the CIO or whoever is the executive in charge of your piece of, of the enterprise as the driver of the automobile. And so if you imagine the driver sitting down in the driver's seat behind the wheel and they look at their dash, in the past, our CIO may not have had much on the dash that was useful to help them steer the vehicle. They maybe had some basic controls, for example, that would show them how fast the vehicle's going or whether you're out of gas, but not the sort of granular type of cost data and the type of transparency into the large IT spending of VA that allows the driver to maneuver the vehicle in the most effective manner. So we needed to upgrade from just having some basic controls on the dashboard available to our CIO to getting to some much more advanced metrics related to cost. Unit costs, for example, we've used TBM to determine unit costs for lots of different services that we're providing to VA. We compute, for example, a cost per terabyte for storage, and we're able to now use that data to compare to public cloud providers and uh, use it for other benchmarking type purposes. And so, we went from having sort of basic cost data related to cost centers or budget object codes, congressional projects, to now having data about specific services we're providing, for example, compute and storage and networking. We're able to describe that in uh, much more detail. We're also able to um, know the, co- the total cost of ownership for certain applications, which is very important. The services that we provide um, on the veteran-facing side of operations a lot of times are websites or other technology interfaces that veterans use to check the status of their benefits or learn about services that VA offers. On the internal side, knowing uh, how much those applications are costing and be able to prioritize those applications with the overall priorities of the Secretary of VA and what's important to veterans is very powerful. And so that transparency has given us a lot of insight. And of course, we still have work to do, but we're getting closer to getting to where our leaders, our executives in charge are are having much better data to help them steer the organization in the right direction. Great analogy using the driver. We all get it, right? We all drive every day. And then we realize when we're out of gas, (laughs) that's a bad thing. But how do we we get to being out of gas? You got to know that too. Let me back up. One of the things you mentioned was understanding the cost per unit or cost per, for instance, terabyte of storage. Did you find out that you're doing pretty good or, or did you say to yourselves, based on that data, we need to move to Microsoft or Amazon or whomever? That's exactly how we're, how we're using that data. So uh, I'm sure you know that there's a big push in the federal space to move to the cloud 
for a number of different reasons. Um, and we're using NVA using technology business management to compare our on-prem costs for applications and services to what we're seeing for applications that have migrated to the cloud. And we're also using TBM to try to decide which applications need to go to the cloud at all. So there are some um, business rules that you can apply to the selection of the migration of applications that make it most effective cost-wise and give you the best um, return on investment for that migration. And in some cases, we found that we are pretty competitive. So that's been one major um, insight for me is seeing that, you know, in some services that we offer, we are somewhat cost competitive with some of the, the world's, you know, biggest and most prolific providers of IT services like Amazon Web Services or Microsoft Azure. But in other areas, we, we don't compete well. Disaster recovery is one area where we are, are kind of lacking and where we see kind of a TBM has allowed us to compare the granular um, charges that go into supporting or hosting a specific application. And then we can also look at some of the services that are provided in the cloud that we don't actually have now and try to get an estimate as to how much it would cost us to provide that level of service. And like I said, DR is one of those things. So we found in some places that we are cost competitive, but we found in some other places that we probably never will be able to compete with, with a, a large enterprise like Amazon in areas like DR because that would require just some serious capital investments on the government side. And those are some of the insights we're getting from TBM. It's really helping us understand how we can optimize our spending, um, especially looking at our application portfolio. One of the biggest challenges when it comes to TBM is the data side. Did you spend that first two plus years really focusing on the data, getting the data into the right way or right standards, or at least getting to the point where it became more valuable? Or a lot of times people say, don't wait to clean up your data, jump right in and then clean up as you go. Talk about your process a little bit to implement the TBM standards and then start seeing the benefits. A lot of times you'll hear people who are getting ready to move into TBM or they know they need to start adopting it and they're trying to figure out what they need to do, they'll feel very hesitant because the task before them is so large that they don't have good data and they they maybe will want to clean up their data before starting. Um, and so a lot of times what you'll hear said and what, what we have said in VA is don't let perfection be the enemy of good. So you just have to start somewhere. And, you know, one of the basic, very basic first steps that we took was pulling all budget lines and all um, labor costs by FTE and also contractors and mapping every single one of those lines and employees to the TBM taxonomy. And so that's really sort of a, just a basic foundational exercise when you start implementing TBM is to sit down with your, what in most cases is a giant budget spreadsheet and going through line by line and mapping everything that you have to a TBM tower, sub tower and cost pool. And that really forms the foundation for migrating to an IT financial management solution and to start aggregating your costs in accordance with the TBM taxonomy. And you start to see total costs for platform, for example, or storage once you have that initial mapping done. And you can do that. You could start to see some of that data by using Microsoft Excel um, with a pivot table sort of thing. But if you really want to start getting more advanced, it helps to take that foundational taxonomy uh, mapping and get it ran into some sort of IT financial management system that starts aggregating the information in a meaningful way for you. But that initial mapping is really the foundation that sets you up to conduct a much broader set of TBM practices and activities. And so I would say the first year for us really was about mapping costs to the TBM towers 
internally we had a lot of discussions about the definitions within the TBM taxonomy and comparing what we're seeing on the cost side to the, those definitions and trying to make sure that we're getting things into the correct buckets. We created, under the, the guidance of Willie Gaddis, our CFO, we created uh, standard mappings from budget object codes to cost pools in the taxonomy. And so once you have that in place, then the data that's coming out of your financial management system or your, your accounting system of record can automatically be mapped to these categories. And that's where you start automating this um, process of converting general ledger cost data into uh, more useful, granular, and transparent data that's that's being displayed in the TBM taxonomy format. And like I said, once you have that data, then you can start conducting broader activities related to analyzing the data and uh, trending the data over time for applications. And there are some areas where we're still trying to trying to track down better sources of data. As you know, VA is a very large enterprise. We have IT assets in probably every state in the country, and some of those things are legacy systems that may not be documented that well in a in our CMDB. Um, and so part of the process has been going out and trying to find all of our different data, finding where all of our servers are, making sure we're getting all of our servers data into our, you know, our internal CMDB, because that allows us to trace applications to the underlying infrastructure, allows us to, to know which applications are running on which servers. And then since all of that cost data is also tagged in the TBM taxonomy, we can start filtering that up through the TBM model to get to uh, higher level sort of metrics that are useful to somebody like our CIO who trying to figure this all out from a very high level. You said something that's very important, that you work in the Office of Information and Technology, but you partnered with the CFO's office. And I think that is the, the most important piece here, that this is not an IT effort. This is not a CFO's effort. This really has to be a joint effort. Maybe just talk briefly about how you partnered with the CFO's office and maybe others, the missionaries, to deliver on the benefits of TBM. In uh the world of IT financial management, we always talk about the conflict between the financial staff and the technical IT staff, and that, that is a real thing. And so part of implementing TBM is getting those groups together and getting on the same page and working together to not only define the problem that, that you need to address and how, uh, how you need to address it and what the gaps are in your data, but socializing why you're doing what you're doing and getting everyone to work together. So the TBM, the base of the TBM taxonomy is really a cost accounting methodology. And so fine, it inherently makes sense to finance, but the labels that are used in the taxonomy are IT terms and they inherently make sense to our IT folks. And so I think the model was set up to facilitate this cross collaboration well, but it, it has been very important to partner with different groups within VA. So Willie Gaddis, our CFO, is kind of leading the overall effort but he's brought in uh, technical folks. We've had to bring in people who manage our platforms and our servers to help us figure out how we, how we can find all of our servers to map to applications. We've had to bring in storage IT specialists to talk about the nature of storage and the difference between um, readily available and archived storage and how that impacts costs. And so it has been a collaboration between many different groups within VA so the benefits of TBM are, you know, what I talked about before with better data and the CIO having metrics available to make make the decisions that he needs to make to steer the IT operations of VA in the right direction. But part of the benefit also is just going through the process of implementing TBM. It's this process where everyone has to get together and talk about the data that they need, the gaps in the data that they need, 
and you go through this process of meeting frequently, getting together, talking through problems on the finance side and the IT side. And that sort of collaboration has really broke down a lot of barriers within the IT operations of VA. So that's been very important. And it's, I think it's absolutely crucial to uh, implementing TBM in any sort of effective manner. Let me bring in Bob Carter, the Vice President of Public Sector of Operations at Aptio. Bob, you uh, at Aptio work with a lot of different agencies, VA obviously one of them. VA's experience, how does that compare or contrast to other agencies? What are you seeing as far as trends as agencies continue down this path of implementing uh, technology business management standards? Yeah, across the agencies, I see really wide varying results. VA is great because they have incredible focus and conviction around deploying this. And they have repeatable processes. They have solid data gathering processes. The biggest thing I see from them is senior leadership is bought into it. So when they have to ask for data or they want to produce different reports to the system or they want to go after some different value outcomes, for example, most recently, VA is trying to understand their cloud costs. And they have different companies managing their, their Azure and AWS cloud environments, and they poured that into the TBM model, and they're able to find out different spend habits that are taking place around reserved instances, uh, over prescribing in some cases, um, different resources within the clouds, so they have better visibility around the cloud area as well. So I see those things happening. What I see in other agencies not working is where people look at TBM as more compliance and a bit of a hobby, frankly, where they're not taking advantage of the full value of automation and the analytics that can be driven against all the data that's being collected across the cost pools and towers and up the chain across applications and services uh, into the business units. So those that really use it as a mechanism to run their business truly, that is the mantra of TBM, run IT like a business, they're getting the most benefit. Others that are looking at compliance and checking the box, I really believe they're missing the boat. When you guys went to help uh, VA, talk a little bit about that relationship. What were some of the things that, when, as you walked into, what were some of the advice you gave VA? What were some of the things you helped them kind of get moving down the right path? I would submit being a software vendor, it's always hard, harder because you're on the outside looking in. The nice thing about the VA, we had a, there was a strong system, in a system integrator presence in the agency itself that understand a lot of the systems and processes Within the VA, they'd work with their uh, planning and budgeting tool, BTT. They understood a lot of the nuances of the object codes and sub-object classes to really shake that out to do the mapping that Ryan had talked about. So there was that uh, in working with them, but we've honed a very prescriptive methodology in delivering TBM where there's short-term outcomes or sprints uh, that they can get out of the capability instead of waiting to have the entire model built out which can take, as we we're talking about, years. Um, there's ways of getting insights and value along the way. Uh, some folks get, go around vendor management, others around contracting. Ryan mentioned the storage cost. Some folks are looking for quick results around cloud. Those things can all be driven early on as you're building out the model and truly running IT like a business uh, as you get to the eventuality of taking full advantage of the model. We have to take a break. My guests today are Ryan Woodward, the Director of the Franchise Budget Office for Infrastructure Operations in the Office of Information and Technology at the Department of Veterans Affairs, and Bob Carter, the Vice President of Public Sector Operations at Aptio. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm Jason Miller. My guests today are Ryan Woodward, 
the Director of Franchise Budget Office in the Office of Infrastructure Operations in the Office of Information and Technology at the Department of Veterans Affairs, and Bob Carter, the Vice President of Public Sector Operations at Aptio. Ryan, let's talk about some of those results, some of those short-term wins. You mentioned the storage as one example. What were some of the other things that came from the use of TBM that either surprised you or stood out to you or really helped you adjust how VA was spending money on technology? Well, I'd say the number one, I guess, realization or benefit that that we've seen is the understanding of how our costs compare to public cloud costs. And so that helps us decide, like I said, not only which applications to move to the cloud, but um, helps us determine the return on investment that we're seeing moving from on-prem infrastructure to the cloud. And then it also is helping us understand our costs in a more granular manner. So there are some applications that for the the near term are probably going to stay on legacy on-premises infrastructure. But through our analysis with TBM and comparing our costs to cloud costs, we're understanding the drivers of our costs better. And so we're able to also optimize our on-prem spend while those things either wait to be migrated or stay on um, legacy infrastructure for the foreseeable future. We have seen some big wins in that area. We've been able to um, avoid purchases of storage equipment because we've had more granular views of the data um, related to the costs and the drivers of storage and storage usage. And we've been able to have really great discussions with our our partners that are managing storage, um, the storage data and the storage equipment. So we've been able to save money already by not purchasing additional storage equipment. And we're also able to see where, talking about storage still, we're able to see which different types of categories of storage are going to be most beneficial to move to the cloud. So um, one thing that seems to be uh, very price competitive in the cloud is long-term storage. You have terms like glacier storage coming out from Amazon, and that really refers to uh, how frequent the storage is accessed. And so for that, for that type of storage, we're seeing a big cost difference between on-prem and um, cloud options. And so um, using TBM has really gave us that insight to know that, you know, see areas where we probably should move to the cloud. And that's going to allow us to free up funding, you know, allow us to better use our finite financial resources to better deliver um, services to veterans. And that that's really what this is all about, you know, it's getting past the old days where if um, somebody asked you how much an application cost, you would open a spreadsheet and hit, hit control F and search for that name maybe, or do some other sort of haphazard spur of the moment type data analysis to figure out those costs. We're getting past that to really understanding costs and having information available at our fingertips. And we're also seeing um, application managers um, at a high level looking at the uh, portfolio of applications that we have in VA and using information that's coming back from our partners and VHA and BBA and NCA about which applications are important to them to prioritize our spending on applications. So if you look at your total portfolio of applications, you can see how much each of them cost. And a lot of times just having that data um, readily available leads to insights immediately. You know, someone will say, wait, what's that application and why does it cost so much? And we'll go back to VHA and say, hey, you know, is this something that is important to you? And if not, maybe we could scale back some of the investment on this and redirect that to the cloud or redirect that to one of your most important applications. And so those insights are are really starting to pick up steam. I, I think that you hit a point with TBM where things start to snowball a little bit. 
And we are starting to see that in VA where uh, insights are coming more frequently. And uh, I, I would say that everybody in, in VA OIT is, is pretty excited about, about this. We, we've all known that we needed to get better at, at transparency and understanding what we're spending uh, our relatively large budget on. And uh, I, I've really never seen this level of excitement in the agency related to um, the possibilities. You know, we're excited about the prospect of transforming the Office of Information Technology and using our funding better and providing better services. Did you get a sense of how much money is being avoided spending or, or saved? Uh, I know that's sometimes hard to, to calculate, but have you guys tried to put a number around that yet? I don't think we have a hard number on that. Uh, early analysis that, that, that I've conducted related to uh, comparisons of on-prem and cloud spending have shown that we're saving approximately 10%. But with the applications we have migrated, there have been some other larger wins. We have um, we recently migrated some important BBA applications from an off-prem uh, third-party data center to the cloud, and that was a, a big win for the agency, and we saved um, – yeah, many millions of dollars. I don't have the exact number, but um, that was one of our early wins was migrating uh, a few VBA applications from a, a third-party data center to the cloud. Uh, we were able to cut those costs um, in half at least, um, but I don't have the exact number. Okay. I think that's just interesting that you're able to at least start to see some of those savings and whether it's you can look at it from a holistic view or just on each of the different Efforts, you can say, hey, that was now we're, we're spending less now. I think that's what's important. And, and then the data side of it, understanding better data, how is that data being, if you will, flowed to higher up? I mean, it's one thing for the CIO to have it, but what about the you know deputy secretary and the secretary? Are they starting to be presented, if you will, with this TBM data so they have a better understanding of where the money is going and how it's being spent and, and why this is more important than that, for instance? I do believe TBM is, is a tool that the CIO is using to communicate uh, the IT spend to those other executives within VA. I'm not really privy to those exact conversations, but I do know one of the major points and what our CFO, Willie Gaddis, frequently talks about is being able to show uh, the secretary and the deputy secretary what is being spent in VA's you know, multi-billion dollar IT budget and what, what specific applications is this supporting on the VHA side and the VBA side. And it's allowing us to communicate what we're doing better to those executives and giving them a better understanding. So we're getting away from IT being this, this black hole of, of expense that nobody understands. Um, so I do know that's a major purpose of it. And I know the CIO is excited about um, using that more and more to explain to the deputy secretary and the secretary what we're doing. Well, I understand what, where you're coming from. It's, it's kind of that the data flows up and sometimes you don't know how it flows up or who it flows up to. One of the other things that, that comes to mind is what comes next for TBM. As you guys kind of continue down this path and continue to implement it, are there specific areas, whether outside of IT or, or still focused on IT, that you're going to continue to refine the processes and, and really continue to get better data? Yeah, one area where we're really focusing is the continued effort to map um, applications and services to the underlying infrastructure in VA. We still do have some gaps in that data. Um, and those gaps have been filled with um, either estimations or industry averages that we've got from some of our partners like Gartner uh, that helps us with that analysis. And so we have a big project right now to map every application and service that's in the budget to the underlying infrastructure. And that's huge. That's dovetailing with our um, efforts in our service management office under uh, Greg Rankin to implement ServiceNow and a robust enterprise-wide CMDB 
Um, and so TBM is dovetailing with those other efforts. And it's all starting to line up. As I said, the stars are kind of lining up here, here for us in VA related to trying to improve what we're doing with, with IT spending and the delivery, delivery of IT services. And we really need to uh, take the bull by the horns and, and get after it while, while things are lined up for us. Based on your experience, if there's one or two pieces of advice you'd offer to other agencies who maybe are, as, as Bob said from Aptio, still in the compliance mode, what advice would you give them to get out of that compliance mode and get into the, if you will, tactical side, the strategic side of, of TBM? Number one, I would say talk to other agencies that are using TBM and ask them specifically how they're using the data. So we talk to a lot, a lot of other agencies who are interested in either implementing TBM or getting an IT financial management system. And they want to see um, in the real world what we're doing with this data. You know, I, I mean, every federal agency has been through a lot of these mandates and exercises that sometimes don't bear much fruit or just end up being a temporary thing that, you know, you spend a lot of time on. And I, I don't think PBM falls into that category. And so it can help um, if they connect with somebody who's performing a similar type mission in a similar environment, you know, in the federal space, it's kind of unique. So if you can talk to another federal agency that's using it more um, to run the business instead of, you know, just looking at it, as it, at it as a compliance exercise, I think that helps. It helps those agencies understand how it could actually benefit them. My advice would also be that, like Bob said, you really need executive sponsorship. That makes all the difference. You need a CFO that understands the, the value of the potential of TBM and is able to explain that to the CIO and also the non-IT partners within the organization. Getting that sort of buy-in, I do believe we had that buy-in in, in VA early on in this process. And like I said, Levering Council saw the need for it. Uh, Rick Chandler, her, her CFO at the time, was was a big proponent of this type of work. And then we had Willie Gaddis kind of take the reins and push it even even faster and harder. See our CIO, Mr. Jaffer, understands it and and supports it which gives us, you know, the coverage we need to really get after and, and implement this. And then we have uh, people on the, the IT specialist side or the, the, the technical side, like Mr. Bill James, who also is a big proponent of this, along with DevOps and um, Agile. And so, um, like I said, a lot of these things are lining up for us right now. And I would say talk to somebody who's doing it, like reach out to somebody in VA who, who believes in it and let them show you exactly what they're doing with the data and let them tell you their story about how they got this to work at their agency. And also don't let, let perfect be the enemy of good. Don't be afraid to just take that first step. I know that the task seems daunting at first because all agencies have legacy equipment scattered, you know, maybe throughout the country like VA does. That can seem very daunting and it's going to take a lot of work. It's true, but just don't be scared to take that first step. And again, like Bob said, you don't have to go for perfect. You're going to find insights along the way just by nature of implementing the, the TBM taxonomy and just by nature of starting the process of collaborating with everyone within your agency to make this happen. You're going to find, you're going to learn things and you're going to have insights and you're going to figure out things that you didn't know before. And eventually that starts to snowball. And um, I, I think uh, it's clear once you start to have some of those things happen, the potential is clear and you really, you know, start to understand better why it's more than just a compliance exercise. All right. That's excellent advice. Uh, let me bring in uh, Bob from Aptio as well. Uh, beyond don't treat it as a compliance exercise, Bob, what other advice or what other potholes would you offer up to that agencies should avoid stepping in? Well, I, I think the big thing, and I heard it from senior leader at GSA, and, and they said to me, 
you know, this is why the federal government needs TBM is that there's a huge variance between the phases of budgeting and planning to spend to actually what gets deployed. And they gave me an example where they can lose up to 50% of the monies from the time it gets obligated to actually what gets deployed as they go through those phases. And the big thing that TBM gives you is a unified view across those phases. So if you're doing better planning, you're doing better spend and better deploy of IT assets. And the most important thing they said to me, you have to ask yourself, are my resources aligned to my mission goals or am I at risk? And I think that's the big thing that TBM is providing is giving you that unified view, eliminating a lot of that variance and doing better spend and better deploy of IT assets. All right. Excellent advice from both of you. Let me uh, thank my guests. Uh, Ryan Woodward is the Director of Franchise Budget Office at, at Infrastructure Operations for VA's Office of Information Technology. Ryan, thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. And Bob Carter is the Vice President of Public Sector Operations at Aptio. Bob, thank you as well. Thank you, Jason. We have to take a break. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. In this segment of the show, I sat down with Jenny Main, the Chief Operating Officer at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. There's a couple themes that I keep hearing time and again at the National Contract Management Association's Government Contract Management Symposium that we're at. One of the themes is definitely data, and the other one is kind of the collaboration. So let's start maybe with the collaboration theme and walk me through how the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services is taking the, not just acquisition, but maybe even more broadly, bringing together all those CXO communities to meet the mission in maybe different, better, more innovative ways. One of the cool things about being the chief operating officer is I have procurement and human capital and financial management um, and and, and a bunch of different parts of the operations functions across CMS, uh, all reporting in my organization. And over the last year and a half, we've really been building a team, you know, mindset. And I think we started by really digging deep on what are our pain points and what are our challenges and what do we think collectively as a group that we could actually solve. And as it usually turns out, I I think, the the hardest problems are the ones that do take multiple organizations to engage in. That's where your complex, sticky issues are. Most functioning organizations can solve things within their own silo, if you will. It's when you have stuff that has to cross it. So we've been really actively working together as a leadership team and identifying things that we want to work on that will solve multiple different group's problems. So if you have, for example, what we really have, um, Melissa Storinsky is our head of you know, contracting. She has some really interesting ideas about things she wants to do and, and test and innovate in that space. We have our IT team. We spend almost $2.7 billion at CMS on IT. So we have a whole you know, field of opportunities of, of contracts and different things that we buy in that space. Um, Rajiv Upal, who's our relatively new CIO, uh, came in from the outside and has a lot of really innovative ideas. So he and Melissa have formed a terrific partnership, and the two of them working really closely together, solving things that each of their organizations has independently said, we want to do this, uh, and they can do it so much more successfully when they work hand-in-hand together at it. So that's the kind of um, thing that, that we're, I'm trying to support and encourage, and uh, really what I do is we meet fairly often, as you can imagine, but, you know, just keep coming back to those core things. Okay, guys, how's it going? What, what, you know, how, what progress are you making? What do you need from us? What can we do to be helpful and be supportive and the, the barriers that we need to, to break down? So that's the culture that we have going on. And, um, you know, to me, it really 
the, the most important thing is that you start with problems that people see in their daily jobs, right? Like, here's a hurdle, here's a problem, here's something I need solved. And then you can get everybody engaged uh, if it's relevant to them. One of the things you brought up was this idea that how the different, if you will, come back office functions crossover, meaning, hey, when you buy IT, you're using contracting, and then there's a workforce component, and of course, there's a financial management component. How is that different today at CMS maybe than it was three, five, seven, ten years ago? Was was it more siloed, meaning the CFO group just worked in the CFO group, and when they needed something, maybe they threw it over the transom to the contracting group, and now, because of the relationship, because of the, for lack of a better word, collaboration you're, you're trying, you have been creating, they don't, it's not just Oh, the, those people in X. So the bad news about this question is I only got to CMS three years ago. So, 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 so I don't actually know how but, it used to work. But, but when you got there. Yeah, certainly <laughs> when I got there and, um, and, and also in other organizations I've been in. Um, I, I do think the tendency to hunker down in your own silo, it can be pretty overwhelming, especially in a place like CMS where the volume of what we do is so big. You know, we have literally over 2,000 contracts. We procure seven or eight billion dollars worth of services a year. Like that is a gigantic workload for our 400 plus people that work in our procurement function. The size of our IT budget, 2.7 billion. It's just very the, the scopes of these of the of the work is very big. So I do think that you know CMS previously had really been more in its silo, and believe me, we still have a lot of work to do. But I think it starts from the top of really sending a message that we're going to work together and we're going to do the hard stuff get people in the room together and look at both sides of an issue. And a lot of it comes from mindset and really coming from a place of what I call non-judgmental curiosity. Like if you assume that the person on the other side of the table from you is actually just trying to do their job and you go and sit in their shoes for a little bit and find out what they're doing and what they see, it's just remarkable how many people come back and they go, oh my gosh, I never knew that they needed these things. So, you know, trying to cultivate opportunities for our staff to really sit in each other's shoes. You know, Melissa created a program where she sent a group of her folks out to different seats. They did details, basically, around the agency and had an opportunity to see what it looks like to be a customer on the outside of her of her um, function. And I think those kinds of things, um, we're trying to come up with the ideas and make time for them and support staff in doing them. And then go around waving the success that they were, like letting people know. I had, I had a deputy when I was the CFO at CMS, which is how I came to the agency, uh, and she went and spent four months in one of our centers, like a real programmatic area. She didn't really want to be over there for the long haul, but I encouraged her to go. They, they asked her to come and do a detail there to, as, to fill in while they were hiring a position. And it was fantastic how much exposure she got to how the rest of our organization thinks and how they see us. She eventually came back. She said, I don't want to go there forever, but, but it was a great experience. And I tell people about it all the time because I want to tout that these are actually really constructive, positive things you can do. Take a little risk, get a really big benefit. We have to take a break. My guest is Jenny Main, the Chief Operating Officer at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Jenny Main, the Chief Operating Officer at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. 
what we've heard at the National Contract Management Association conference for the last couple of days is all around we have to have the right data to make better decisions. And that's another piece that CMS is starting to d- delve into. Walk me through some of those data decision-making efforts you guys are going. One of the ones that I've become really interested in is we're thinking a lot about our people. Uh, the current I mean, the unemployment rate's like 3.5% or less. And uh, getting you know good, talented people is harder than it's ever been. So uh, thinking a lot about what our people are telling us, uh, what's hard in your jobs, what are your pain points, what are you challenged by? And I'm, inc- I'm increasingly excited that, honestly, it sounds a little weird, but data is something they really care about. And they see that the agency has a lot of data that they want to have access to, that they want to be able to use. So that's actually a great indicator of readiness, right? So I think on the data front, we are, we've, we're creating a lot of great questions and we're getting more creative about how to get access to the data that we need to answer the questions. Uh, in a lot of cases, we do have the data buried somewhere, and it's a matter of how do you stop making it, you know, a, a full-time person's manual job for two weeks to assemble some data. Uh, there, there's that path of, of issues. Another one that I actually like, you know, that I, I, I find sort of entertaining is a lot of times there's, um, uh, like I'll give you an example. It's a human capital example, but w- one of our questions is quality, right? So hiring. So we're all over how long it takes us to hire. But I, I, everyone I know would say, I don't, I don't, I don't want to quickly hire the wrong person. I'm actually willing to wait a few months to hire the right person. So how do we know whether we're hiring the right person? Well, the team said, we don't have data for that. Like we don't know how, what the quality of our Well, you know what? You actually have to find a way to create that data. So we're kind of in that mindset right now. If you don't have the data in your current wheelhouse, but it really you need it to answer a question you really care about, then you have to figure out how to get, how to get that data. So like in our case, we ended up, we're going to use, um, it's not very expensive, we're going to use a Gartner um, survey system that they have after hiring. They do it for thousands of organizations. I think it's thousands. Uh, so you can benchmark your own experience. And y- y- the whole thing is you can lament for six months or a year that you didn't have the data you know, wanted. Right? Or you could start collecting that data, and six months or a year from now, you have a year's worth of it. It's remarkable what you can assemble in a year if you just start. So that's one of the things I find really fun, and um, I like to say to people, and they say, well, we just, we just don't know that. We just don't have that data. And it's like, well, what would it take to create that data? Maybe we should spend some time and energy actually starting to build the data set that would answer the real question that you're after in terms of your mission or your commitment or what it is you're trying to do. It's that same concept as spend a little up front to get a huge benefit on the back end. And if you can not only reduce the time it takes to hire someone, but, but hire the right person, wow, how much is that really going to save in the long run? Because you have a training cost. You have the time it takes to hire someone. And if that person doesn't work out, it's the time that you lose. So all that matters. Does the question that you have to start with is, well, what's the question we're trying to answer, right? Is, versus what data do we need to collect? Is that, is that a mindset shift as well as is understanding that concept of we're trying to answer this question. It's always amazing to me. It's the year 2019. Like we humans have been after this stuff for a long time. And it's so common that you say, well, what are you really trying to do? You have to start with this notion of what is our objective actually and why, right? Like what's our unique purpose as an organization and our role and what is it that we need to be exceptional at? And then are we doing that? And how can, and then how can we tell? Right. So yes, you got to go all the way back to the corner question, the cornerstone question of what are we trying to accomplish? And uh, it's amazing to me how much harder that question is sometimes. It's really amazing. And it's actually excellent for an organization. Um, I've never seen an organization 
that didn't see its employees love engaging on that. They love to be asked what matters, especially in the government, right? The number one reason that we're in the government is because we care about the mission. It's our, it's our most powerful asset is our mission. And so getting people to think about what is it that you do on behalf of our mission? What is it that we do and what should we be doing? And how will we know if we're accomplishing it? You can't underscore, under, you can't underestimate what, what you need to do there. I want to bring us back around to the beginning of the conversation, which is procurement. This is why we're here, National Contract Management Association Conference. One of the things you are working on specifically is around benchmarking CMS against some other organizations. Specifically, you guys are doing something called a value capture pilot. Can you walk me through just a little bit of what that is and how that's working? Yeah. Can I, uh, can I back up a tiny please, bit Please, please. Give us some context. Yeah. Again, kind of coming back to... We're doing a whole broad CMS-wide assessment of our organization. We've been, we're over a year into it now. So we've been benchmarking ourselves along a lot of these major functional areas to compare where we are versus where we want to be and, and using real external benchmarks, other government agencies, uh, large insurers, because, of course, CMS is a, the biggest healthcare insurer in the world, pretty close. Um, so we've been doing that across the board. We did that on the procurement side. And, again, part of it... I, I it, really tried to listen to our people and ask them, what, where do you guys see as opportunities and what are we doing and what do we have? So you see us looking at um, you know, capability building, uh, which is get, making sure everyone has the skills and the things. We talked about data, trying to figure out how to get the data they need and want in their hands more quickly. But when you go to this question of what is all that getting us, there's a bottom line there that ties back, right? What's the goal? Well, actually, we want to get the same or better that we already have and sp- spend less for it, right? We want, to, we want to value capture. So that's what that initiative is about. How can we take the different um, tools that we've been trying to do and the trainings that we've given our staff, pull them together and apply them in a specific situation to say, can we actually get better value for this? So we did it over the past uh, six months on a particular um, contract. We identified a particular contract that we really felt like we could do a good job of benchmarking it against um, what the market should bear for those services. It's an old, it's a contract that we'd had for a number of years and had a number of years more on it. So we could really say, hey, the market shifted. We could do homework and analysis and really look at it. So we were able to save about 30%. uh, And we really brought together um, our negotiation skills and and cross-functional teams to say, let's do this the right way. And it was big enough to make it to make it a worthwhile effort. So that is kind of, um, you know, it's, um, I, I think of it as at the, at the top of the list in some ways, but in some ways it's actually at the bottom of the list because it's the result, it's the benefit you get when you invest in your people and your systems and your data and you do the right things, then you're going to capture value. You're going to be able to bring some money back for the taxpayers. Or we also accepted, like, if we could get X amount of service that was better for the same price, like that's an option too, as long as you can quantify it and you can really say that you... You're in a better place, and you know it because X, Y, Z. All right, Jenny, we could talk a lot longer. Unfortunately, we're going to thank you for your time. So Jenny Main is the Chief Operating Officer of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. I'm Jason Miller, and I'm coming to you from the National Contract Management Association's Government Contract Management Symposium. Jenny, thank you so much. Really great to be here. Thank you. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.